Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa and Internet World. Hello, how we doing? Welcome in to the Wednesday edition of the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central and on the Bama Central Broadcasting Network. You're watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. You can find us right there or listen to us on Playback, on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you're, where you're going to get your podcast. We appreciate everybody jumping in and joining us today, whether you're listening to us live or on Playback. You can, you can always follow me at Joe Gaither 6 on the Twitter machine and Instagram and Facebook. We're putting all kinds of information out on the social media, so we appreciate everybody following. Following the, the accounts right there. And make sure you follow at Bama Central, of course, on the Twitter machine. They're going to be keep you abreast of all the latest Alabama Crimson Tide news and notes. So what are we going to do on a Wednesday? All right, we're going to be solo today. I appreciate everybody listening. You can still comment on the Facebook side of things or on the Twitter side of things. So leave me your comments on the YouTube as well uh, if you want to chime in and jump in on the show. But we're going to have some fun anyways by ourselves. We've got a lot of things to talk about. And I set up a little Nick Saban sound. Nick Saban was in front of the podium yesterday down in uh, down in Florida as the, uh, all the coaches were handling their SEC spring meetings. Uh, and so what? Like, look, we all know SEC spring meetings is a time where everybody kicks around ideas. Not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of things get decided usually. Uh, so, so we'll talk about what Nick Saban said yesterday. We'll break down maybe what Brian Ke- Brian Kelly got into and Kirby Smart as well just a little bit. We'll also on the program today talk about tomorrow's big matchup: Alabama and Tennessee in the SEC. Or excuse me, SEC in the College World Series, co- Women's College World Series out there in Oklahoma City. So that's going to get going tomorrow at eleven. We will already be on the air and we'll be already be live at one o'clock when the girls are probably midway through, hopefully taking care of business against the Tennessee Volunteers. We'll touch on that game. We'll talk about that game as it'll be the fifth matchup with the Tennessee Volunteers this year. So we'll talk about that. And then there's two big old pieces of basketball news. We love the Alabama Crimson Tide hoops teams. There's two pretty big old pieces of basketball news that have hit last night and this morning. So we will get into those as well. So let's get right into it this morning. We'll start it off with a little SEC spring meetings. Nick Saban meeting up in front of all the media and Look, Nick Saban was his usual self yesterday. Big credit to my man Austin Hannon uh, getting all his, his quotes and transcripts and writing that for, for BamaCentral.com. You can read Austin Hannon or check him out at Austin Hannon SI. Uh, look, Nick Saban gives the opening can statement. We're happy to be here. There's not much going on in, in college football right now. All our players are working out, have enrolled for summer classes, yada, yada, yada. And then he opens it up for questions. <clears throat> he opens it up for questions, and he immediately gets a good question, but he immediately turns into classic Nick Saban. His, the, the, the question opens up, what are you trying to accomplish, Nick Saban, with these SEC spring meetings? And Coach... Coach is so funny. Coach is so funny. He immediately plays dumb. He immediately plays dumb. What am I trying to accomplish? I'm not trying to accomplish anything. I get an agenda and we go through the agenda. It's not my meetings. I have the agenda for my staff meetings and those are my agendas. But this here is not my agenda. So I just do whatever I'm told. And Coach, I mean, in a sense, he's absolutely right. You know, he's, he's absolutely right. Coach does not set the agenda for the SEC spring meetings. But let's all be honest with ourselves. When Coach Saban speaks, we all listen and we all, we, we, we all pay attention. 
and, and therefore, if Coach Saban says, hey, I want to play 15 games or I want to play two games or I want to play one game against this team and two games against that team and I want to get rid of NIL or I want to do this with the transfer portal or whatever Coach wants to do, He's taken seriously. He's listened to. Whether now whether it becomes uh, implemented and becomes policy is a whole different different deal. But Coach Saban, you know, right off the bat, playing coy. It's not my meetings, and it's not whatever. I just do whatever I'm told. I'm just here to participate and cast one measly vote. <laughs> no, Nick Saban, your vote is not one measly vote. You swing the biggest stick in the room. You're the longest tenured SEC coach. Half the room worked for you at one point or another. They're all looking at you like your daddy like your boss so coach Saban really wants to get something done uh I, I I think he absolutely has the power and the swing to add something to the agenda or sway some people's opinions or you know could create some talking points around the table so coach obviously getting started uh being, being pretty funny and, and, and you can appreciate that because, or I can appreciate that because I, I, I realize we, we we all realize the power that he actually wields, and for him to kind of go in front of the media like, oh, oh, this is Greg Sankey's meeting. This isn't Nick Saban's meeting. Uh, technically, it's true, but Greg Sankey is often looking at Nick Saban, in my opinion, and uh, making choices and decisions based off of uh, coaches coaches' comments. So the biggest question, the biggest topics are twofold around SEC spring meetings. It's are is the SEC going to play eight games or nine games going forward in 2024 when Oklahoma and Texas join the conference? What makes the most sense? What makes the most sense for the entirety of the league? What makes the most sense uh, of uh, what makes the most sense of excuse me, what makes the most sense of the entirety of the league? Oh, excuse me. Uh, let's see. It looks like we might have some breaking news. Oh yeah, we've got some some kickoff times. Uh, Chris Walsh sending me some messages. Uh, kickoff times. We've got Alabama and Mississippi Star MTSU are going to be at six thirty. All right, a little breaking football news. Uh, Alabama. All the non-conference games are getting set uh, for some kickoff times. I love it. Uh, South Florida is going to be at two thirty on September eight uh, September sixteenth, and then we're playing Chattanooga UTC uh, November sixteenth at eleven a.m. So you got a little mixture on the non-conference games. Now you're First two weeks are set. I'm sorry to take a little detour, but you get a little breaking news. Uh, you, you're now first two weeks are, are set. I think actually the first three weeks. Uh, yeah, September second, uh, six thirty against MTSU. Then September 9th against uh, Texas. Obviously, is at six o'clock on ESPN. And then September sixteenth, going to be two thirty on ABC. So really excited to see what those uh, those games are. Uh, you know, nice to get some game time so we can make some planning. And speaking of those games, let's hear from Nick Saban. Let's hear from Nick Saban yesterday on if he prefers eight or nine games, what the advantages are, and kind of how uh, you know how the conversations are going in those rooms. You favored a nine-game schedule for a while. Do you still feel that way about the SEC schedule? Um, you know, I, I don't. I think whatever happens, happens. Um, I, I think there's so many things that probably sort of go into this in terms of eight games versus nine games, including TV contracts and things that are way beyond my scope of uh, visibility, um, that I'm sure a lot of those things will, you know, sort of factor into it. But I, I still am always of the opinion that we should pay all Division One games. Now, I've said this for years. So whether there's 
60 teams in the Power Five conferences or 70 teams or however many there are, that uh, it's better for fans, it's better for strength of schedule, that we all play all Power Five, you know, games. So however we get to that, uh, I think that's the best thing. I think one of the more difficult things with going to nine games is, you know, we've tried to schedule two uh, out-of-conference Power Five games to try to improve our strength of schedule over the next, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. And um, if we go to nine games, we'll have to unwind that. So my, my deal is was always play more SEC games because we couldn't get other people to schedule. So now I think there's more people in tune to scheduling. So having a balance is probably the most important thing. And he's exactly right. Having a balance is the most important thing, in my opinion, between the SEC schedule and the other, the, the rest of the non-conference games, the Power Fives. Now, Coach is right. We've got to get to where we're not scheduling anything less than Power Fives. We've got to get rid of scheduling the FCS opponents. We've got to, no disrespect to, what, the... Conference USA's, not no disrespect to the the Mountain Wests of the world, but we cannot. I'm sorry, Utah State is not playing football at the same level as Alabama last year. We saw that. Uh, you saw that with Louisiana Monroe. You, you, you see that every time a non-competitive school or a non-power five school comes into Bryant Denny Stadium for these buy games, you give them a 800 grand, 600 grand, a million dollars. You beat the 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 brakes off of them, and yeah, you get the freshmen and the sophomores into the games. But I don't know how valuable it is to Alabama long term and and how you know how valuable it is to college football as a whole as far as the consumers go how many of us are lining up i mean you can basically just watch University Boulevard and Brian, and Brian Drive before the games where you're playing uh, Louisiana Monroe and the MTSU's coming up in a couple of months. People will be giving away tickets. We'll be trying to give away tickets to those games because there's just not the intrigue. There's just not the marquee draw. And, I, and many people would rather just stay home and watch college football on the couch that day. We'll, we'll, we'll have Alabama on the big screen, of course, but I want to stay at home and watch Georgia play whoever and LSU play whoever and Ohio State play whoever. Watch some of these better marquee games. And so Coach Saban is exactly right in the fact that we need to have a balance. We need to have some sort of a policy where, look, if everybody's playing all Power Five opponents, I think you can get down with eight, eight conference games. I think you, I think you can, you know, that, that, that's pretty reasonable and pretty balanced, especially when you consider how it plays out with the 12, 12 team playoff that's going to come in in two years. If you're continually going to have Auburn playing Alabama A and M, and and I'm sorry, no disrespect to Alabama A and M, the Bulldogs great. Uh, the Alabama, the Bulldogs, great. They're going to be, uh, you know, they need revenue. They, they, they obviously have a program. But it doesn't, it's not an equal Saturday as Alabama hosting, you know, it, does, it doesn't matter. It, it, Wake Forest or, uh, or any other Power 5 bottom feeder. Indiana, Illinois, you know, Purdue, somebody like that. Give me a bottom feeder from, from a Power 5 program. Let everybody in the SEC abide by that rule, and I think you're going to have um, – I, I think you'll have some buy-in from the rest of the league. The problem is right now is you have – the eight nine game schedule balanced with the Kentuckys, the Georgias, the Floridas of the world who have a permanent opponent outside the conference and Georgia Tech and Louisville and Florida State. You you have the, the, the these these. Uh, 
SEC schools with some permanent opponents or some some rivalries that have been you know a part of the fabric of their program for for many many years you know 20 30 40 50 years uh, going going back to going very far back and so they don't want to give those games up Georgia doesn't want to give up Georgia Tech but they also you know if you go to nine games you're you're squeezing out the Georgia Georgia's opportunity to host Sanford uh, Sanford last season coming into or UAB came into came into uh, Sanford Stadium last season and so I don't know you, these coaches are balancing hey can we have some gimme games versus hey we need to entertain the fans we need to entertain the college football world and we need to have games that um, really matter to college football. Maybe you could um, adopt something that maybe you could adopt something that Gus Malzahn brought up during spring practice. Maybe instead of playing yourselves in the spring games, or you can take Gus Malzahn's idea of playing smaller opponents in spring games, and instead of playing them in spring games, you invite them for for a false scrimmage. Because that's what this is all about, Alabama playing MTSU. Alabama playing MTSU right off the rip is not about, hey, MTSU is really going to get Alabama ready to play Texas. No, Alabama, you know, they're going to get ready to play Texas on their own. Uh, And I don't know that MTSU is going to play a big factor in that. But, no, these college programs want to have, the bigger programs want to have the, you know, ramp up to the season, the preseason, much like the NFL teams have, the preseason that doesn't count if you win or lose. You can experiment a little bit, get your guys into the into the game, get experience, see the bottom end of the roster. What this all is, is that is they kind of want to have the NFL model, but... <laughs> but, but but don't but but don't want to end up giving away giving away some of those games. They they still want to entertain the fans. So maybe Gus Malzahn's idea of playing uh, a smaller team, uh, you know, scheduling a smaller opponent for your spring game would would serve that purpose. Or maybe we we schedule a smaller opponent, a, a, a you know, a scrimmage of sorts in the fall where you can play your Jacksonville States or Alabama A and M's or Troy's or South Alabama's. You can play your lesser schools, your smaller schools, Alabama. You're you know, used to playing San Diego State and. and Kent State and the like, you can bring those in and still see the bottom end of your roster, but the, and thus you sell it to your fans as a preseason game. That way, the ticket prices, uh, the ticket prices reflect that, and you're, you're selling the fans. Oh, this is a preseason game. You guys come for less money, uh, and, and we will, you know, we'll have marquee matchups in the regular season with our Power Five opponents and the SEC. So I think you know, the scheduling model is going to be up for debate. For probably another six months, if I had to guess. I know Oklahoma and Texas are there already in the meetings, but I would imagine you're still with 16 teams with 16 people. Everybody's got a different agenda, and everybody's coming from a different place. Everybody's coming from a different place in motivation. The Alabama, the Alabama, Georgia, and maybe even LSU and. I say Oklahoma are probably all coming in from a motivational standpoint of we are going to be national champions or we expect ourselves to be national champions. So therefore, we want to play, you know, nine games and entertain the fans and we're playing big boy college football. Well, the Mississippi States, the South Carolinas, the Missouris in the room are probably the Vanderbilts are coming from a place of, hey, we got to get to a bowl. We've got to get to a bowl game and maybe we can sneak into that 12th team. Alabama? I'm not sure that Nick Saban's worried about getting into the 12-team playoff because think about where we've been. I think about where Alabama has been over the 15-year period. Even the years where Alabama has missed the college football playoff, 
if the field were 12, if the field were, were, were expanded, as it's going to be in 2024, there would be zero years where Alabama has missed the college football playoff. So we're not coming from the same, we're not coming from the same perspective. We're not coming from the same experiences, and we don't have the same goals, even though we're all in the same conference. And I think that speaks to just the to the disparity that is college football. And Coach Saban talked about that yesterday. Our, our man Austin Hannon talked about uh, transcribed and uh, and wrote that on Bama Central. You can. Read Read all his quotes right there in its entirety on BamaCentral.com. Look, Coach outlines outlines the the disparity in college football and basically kind of gets into wanting to feel like um, wanting to feel like we get into a more a more NFL model, a more unionized model where all the players are getting the same benefits. Now, he notes yesterday that Greg Byrne and the University of Alabama, we spend, we're spending about eighty-five dollars to $120,000 every single year on athletes' care, whether that be their diet, whether that be their dorm care, however, they, however you can factor in the athletic training and just have everything factors into this is what you get as an Alabama athlete. You know, the bill runs between eighty-five and one hundred twenty. K yearly. Let's all be honest with ourselves. Not every university is investing in, in their athletes at that same level. Now, that's a benefit of going to Alabama. And Nick Saban, obviously going to throw that out there. Everything is about recruiting. You come to Alabama, you're going to get the top, the top end of the benefits. And I, and I absolutely believe that, and I stand by that. And from being, what, a mile away from campus, you can drive right over there and just see the facilities are beautiful. Everything is tip-top. You know, everything is clean. Everything looks inviting. It's a, it's, it's a hell of a place. I love the University of Alabama. It's beautiful over there. Those guys, the, the, the money has been reinvested, and that's something Coach Saban talks about later in his, uh, in his availability. But how would you do it? Would you like? You can't say Nick Saban, "Hey, all the players need to get the same." You guys need to stop uh, providing for your athletes at the University of Alabama because the University of Missouri or Jacksonville State or UAB or you know anybody who's not Alabama is not investing uh, is not investing at the same level as you are. So what, Alabama? You 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 want Nick Saban and Alabama to say, "Hey, I know you are, are uh, investing at a top level. You're you've got the best sports science facility in the country. You have a, an amazing dining hall." You you got to cut all that back because you know the University of Massachusetts or UConn can't afford that for their football players. I'm sorry, that's just not reality. It's just not feasible, Coach. We have been playing college football uh, for you know uh, 120 some odd years, re- really, but we're not all playing in the same game. Which is why you have it. Which is why you have such a small club of national champions. It's it, it, because look. Mississippi State, uh, you know, even 45 minutes away playing in the same conference, they're not really playing and competing at the same level as Alabama. I know, I know Dak Prescott took them to number one one time, and they lasted at number one one week, and they were projected for the college football playoff one time. But, but come on, they're not playing the same game as even we are in the same conference. So how would you expect, Coach, to mitigate or legislate all the Power Five conferences, all the college football universities, all, all the universities playing college football, you know, having this salary capped uh, concept for, for, for their athletes. It's just not feasible, coach. It's just not going to happen unless you break up college football on multiple levels. You've got to break away 
the power five from the power five you've got to break away the halves in the power five from their current conferences oh ohio state they're not really playing with indiana they're not really playing with purdue Sure, it says Northwestern in their conference, but they're not really playing with them. The same thing. Why is Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12? Because they're not really playing football with Kansas. They're not really playing football with Baylor. Come on. It's not, they're, they're not investing at the same level. So the Power Five is, 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 has, has fractured within, within the entity. It's such a deep problem, and I think the 12-team playoff will help kind of kind of bring it back together just a little bit because more teams are going to be able to get into the playoff uh, down the line, and more teams will be able to say, hey, we got in, and look at the revenue that we brought in because we got in. But you're just not playing the same game. And so it becomes, you know, the, these aspects become why it's so challenging to schedule evenly throughout even just the SEC. So Coach Saban, I appreciate your words yesterday, and I appreciate getting up there and talking about balance in college football and talking about how we need to all play a Power Five schedule. Um, but I just, I just wonder, uh, you know, Alabama and Boston College aren't really playing the same sport of football. Yes, you still have 11 guys out there. You're playing on the same field, but the quality and the attention to detail and the level of uh, excellence in their programs are just not equal to one another. It's not equal financially. It's not equal uh, production-wise on the football field. It's not equal for wins and losses either. So, Coach, I, I think instead our focus needs to be, you know, taking the halves who are playing professional college football, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, taking the halves who are playing professional college football and getting us our own set of rules. But I think we're probably... Uh, very, I think we're probably very far away from that. Honestly, I think we're we're much closer to the Power Five breaking away from uh, NCAA, breaking, breaking away from the NCAA, creating their own uh, college football rules. But further on down the line, the separations need to continually happen. Because I mean, look, I got friends who went to Georgia Southern. They left FCS. Yeah, they left FCS where they were competing for championships uh, pr pr pretty regularly. You know, the early 2000s, Georgia Southern Eagles. They jump into FBS, you know, D Division One. They jump into the same division as Alabama. Look, the Georgia Southern, the Georgia Southern Eagles are not competing with Alabama for a national championship. I'm sorry, they're just not. Not anytime soon. They're not really playing college, uh, the same college football. Georgia Southern can come into Bryant-Denny Stadium in two weeks without play, without any practice, and Alabama would wipe him off the floor, uh, wipe him off the field. So I think you just got massive disparity between the top end of the Power Five, the bottom end of the Power Five. What's not the Power Five? They just just Division One football has so many fractures and and really uh, separations that I think you have to examine that if you really want to get fairness and 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 uh, inc inclusivity that Coach Saban seems to want to get inclusivity and and uh, he also likes the word parity. Yes, uh, I don't think you have parity in college football. You have you've never had college football parity, and if you want to legislate it, you can't legislate it by taking money out of Alabama's pocket because Alabama can afford more. You can't legislate it by by making smaller schools pay you know spend more. You, the best way to legislate it would probably be to separate it into into uh, different divisions, more 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 similar divisions, di di divisions and schools who will have a lot more similarities between them. Now, the last thing I want to get into for Coach Saban's comments yesterday is he talked about um, he talked about reinvesting. 
He talked about reinvesting the Alabama. Uh, he talked about the, the, the money, the money that's in college football, and how college football is not not really a business. Uh, he said, oh, let's see if I, "Let me find the quote. Business, business. Yes, sir. Uh, perfect." Invest in a sip. Okay. Uh, He talks about reinvesting, how college football has made so much money that, you know, but it's not really a for-profit business. That was the term he used. It's not really a for-profit business. They reinvest the money for the business. And, And at Coach's level, at Coach Saban's level, he is right. Because everything that Alabama really makes... You know, you, you see the $100 million surplus that Alabama football makes, but then it goes right back into the other pots of the Alabama athletic budget. It does. It goes into the, the non-revenue sports. It goes back into uh, the facilities. It goes back into the coaches. It goes back into the dietary. It goes. It gets reinvested in, into the athlete. He is correct. But I think Coach is missing the mark, or at least intentionally, sometimes he does this, intentionally shining a light on one area of the conversation, reinvesting at the college level. But at the corporate level, oh my gosh, the money is astronomical. Why? Why did the Big Ten sign a $1 billion revenue uh, revenue deal for, with, with television contracts? Why did the SEC sign, I think it was an $800, 900000000 million revenue contract, uh, TV contract with ESPN? At the corporate level, that's not getting reinvested back into the programs. That's straight cash, man. That is profit that these businesses, these companies, these corporations are, are making off the backs of the uh, off the backs of the athletes. And I know that Coach Saban, you know, he's making a pretty penny, eight, nine, eleven million dollars, uh, eleven million dollar contract. And personally, if you ask me, he's underpaid because you consider my own job and everyone's jobs here in the Tuscaloosa area and the West Alabama area and everybody who has really uh, benefited off the back of college football, Coach Saban's been a part of that. And I thank him for that. I absolutely do. I think I, I still think he's underpaid. But I think you missed the mark a little bit yesterday, Coach, when you talk about how college football is not a for-profit business. Maybe it's not a for-profit business right here at the university level. But at the conference level, at the conference level, the NCAA level, at the corporate level, the, 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 the production level, the media level, it is absolutely a for-profit business. And there's nothing more profitable than live sports, period. You take live sports as in a category, and then you've got everything else as far as media goes, as far as even digital media. You're looking at me right now in the digital space. Look, I'm not nearly as valuable as women's water polo. You put a live sport in this time slot, and people are going to probably watch it more than they're watching Joe Gaither. I understand that. It's fair. It's no problem. But because of that, look. You break it down even further. What's the most popular sport? Oh, football. Boom. I don't want to watch XFL. I want to watch top end NFL and college football. What's the top end of college football? The SEC. Boom. We are playing in the sandbox of one of the most profitable businesses that there is. That there is, honestly. So, Coach, I understand at the university level, there is a large percentage reinvested back into the athlete. There are, and, and I think that's great. And, and you're seeing that at the University of Alabama, and I absolutely think that's valid. But at the, the larger scale, you're wrong. College football is a for-profit business. It absolutely is a for-profit business. And let's all be honest, yes, Coach Saban, you're, you're a huge part of, of the labor, but, you know, you can coach you, you could coach me and it wouldn't look look near as pretty as you coaching Jalen Milrow. You coach Joe Gaither, average anti athlete. We are losing twelve games. You're fired. All the Alabama fans are mad at me, and the business goes away. No, no, no. You you recruit Jalen Milrow. 
because of the for-profit business. I think that, uh, and because of that, the Alabama fans are happy and the business rolls on. So, Coach, I, I appreciate all the time that you spent yesterday at the podium and all, all your comments. They can be read at BamaCentral.com. My man Austin Hannon uh, writing those up for us. We appreciate you, Austin. Follow him on the Twitter machine at Austin Hannon SI. All right, let's take a pin on the pin in the college football conversation, and let's spin just a little bit to uh, college softball. Yesterday, our ladies, the Alabama softball team, went out to the college uh, college World Series out there in Oklahoma City. And this time tomorrow, we will pretty much already have our fate known. Our fate will be be known this time tomorrow as Alabama is playing at 11 a.m. Alabama is playing at 11 a.m. on ESPN, I believe. You're going to be able to follow Katie Windham and Edwin Stanton, their coverage for Bama Central. They're already out there in Oklahoma City. They're going to be covering. Uh, they're going to be covering press conferences today and tomorrow, and the game tomorrow, and the entirety of the Alabama tenure out there at the tournament. Now, dude. Alabama got a brutal draw. Brutal. Awful draw. Now, nothing they can do about it because once you're down to the last eight, when you're down to the last eight schools, it pretty much is what it is. But Alabama, your first matchup, welcome to Oklahoma City. You get to play Tennessee, the SEC champion, the team who beat you uh, three out of four times this year. You're probably going to see Ashley Rogers on, on, on in the circle on Thursday, but a, but a good chance Peyton Gottschall pitched very well against you as, you as well. So look, you've seen all three of, of Tennessee's pitchers: Ashley Rogers, Peyton Gottschall, and Carlin Pickens. You've had obviously the most success against Carlin Pickens. I think that you're probably unlikely to see her tomorrow. I think you'll see Rogers take the circle first with Gottschall coming in in relief. But hey, it's going to be a okay. You look at the last matchup against Tennessee. It's not like you know you have lost three out of four, but it's not like you've been blown out at any point. You lost five to one, seven to five, and seven to six in, in your three games. So you're, you're playing them close. It should give you confidence. And what I saw yesterday at the airport was a loose team, a team that uh, exuded confidence. Coming, coming on. They had battled through the entirety of the season. They have gone through the peaks and the valleys, the ups and the downs. They've their, their best player got hurt. Their best player got hurt, and it's now back. They they, they were able to mitigate the, the time without Montana Fouts and play well through that time without Montana Fouts. They found, I think, a second starting pitcher, a, a second starting pitcher that you can rely on. Well, Murph's gonna go out there. Murph and company, Team Twenty Seven, they're gonna go out there tomorrow. I expect Jayla Torres to take the circles to, to start. I think setting the tone with Jayla has seemed to be has seemed to be, be something that the team really likes. It seemed to be that Jayla, something that, a role that Jayla really likes, but it seems to be a, a, a role that the team really likes because Montana coming in, hey Jayla gets me through four, three, four, five innings. Boom! Montana shuts it down just as you're trying to get comfortable catching up with Jayla Torrance. So that's kind of what I would expect to see tomorrow. Jayla going out there first, and look. As we've said all year, can the bats be consistent? Can the bats get the key hit? Can you string together and play past the bat, like past the baton? That's Murph's game plan. That's Murph's philosophy. What's he going to do as far as the lineup goes? Coach Murphy talked yesterday about uh, doing an analytical an analytical study of his own lineup, basically finding out who the hottest hitters have been. Shocker. Guess who the hottest hitter has been? 
Oh, if you guessed Ashley Prangy, you're right. If you didn't guess Ashley Prangy, you're not paying attention at all to this to, to, to this Alabama softball team. And you probably turned off the program by now when you heard me mention Alabama softball. But no, Ashley Prangy is easily the, the hottest bat on the team. She, she got the uh, the leadoff position over the last couple of games of, of the week of the Super Regionals. And we'll see if uh, she continues to hold down that leadoff spot. I personally would love to see Jenna Johnson back in the leadoff spot only because... Only if you can get something out of her. Only if you can get something out of her, get her on base, because you want runners on base. You want ladies on base for Ashley Pranky to bring them in. So so Thursday is going to be tomorrow. Is going to, at 11 a.m. You're going to see Alabama taking on Tennessee. I, I, I think it's going to be a – we all know it's going to be a huge challenge, but I think the girls are up for it. I think they're up for it. I think that really – what they've seen this year, nothing's going to scare them at this point. Uh, uh, you know, whether, well, even if they lose, even if they lose, I think they're going to go out on their sword and and really give it their all out there in Oklahoma City. Now, look, whatever happens in Oklahoma City, you win today, or excuse me, you win tomorrow, and you play the winner of oh brutal Oklahoma and Stanford. Gross, Oklahoma. What thirty minutes, thirty-five minutes away from from Oklahoma City and Norman, Oklahoma. So they're gonna have. We all know they're gonna have a huge, a huge crowd. They're gonna have a huge home field advantage there. Whew, Alabama. You, you've beaten Oklahoma before. Murphy talks about talked about it yesterday that the girls they're going out there for the fourteenth time. But they're only one of thirteen. They've only won the whole dang thing one time. So Murph talked about uh, talked about it yesterday. Going out there with the mindset to win it. Do I think that they can? Oh, I think it's going to be challenging. Uh, I don't think they will. Honestly, I don't think they will, and that breaks my heart to say. But I think they'll make us proud. I think they've already made me proud for the, this year, uh, watching this team, the character that they've exuded, uh, being able to be to stay resilient, uh, to to bat, go through all the the regular season losses. Obviously, you know about the the off season turnover, the roster turnover. They lost, they lost what six, seven ladies to the transfer portal last off season. So Murphy totally reworked the roster for Team Twenty Seven, and then with Montana's injury in the last couple of weeks, they've just been a team of overcomers. And I believe that because of that, they uh, they can make us proud this week you know if they go two and out will that stink will that break my heart yes it will it will break my heart but 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 i will still be proud of the effort uh and and really just the way that they have finished this season i feel like uh, i feel like midpoint of the season when they're stacking up regular season losses having some trouble in sec play they easily could have they easily could have folded the tents and packed it in and just said you know what it's not, uh, you know, we we, we got to turn over, turn over the roster and get ready for Team 28. But no, they battled through it. They said, hey, we still have everything right there in front of us. And they battled through some of the adversity, ended up finishing fourth in the conference, ended up winning the region, hosting a regional, hosting a super regional, getting through both those rounds. And bam, they're back out there to Oklahoma City. So just Impressive effort for the ladies. Impressive effort uh, for Patrick Murphy. Great coaching job, and we're going to look forward to seeing what he does tomorrow at 11 a.m. against our hated rival, Tennessee Falls, 11 a.m. We'll see either Ashley Rogers or Peyton Gottschall in the circle against uh, Alabama, and we'll probably expect to see Jayla Torrance pitch and then uh, Montana to come in for relief. 
So that's going to do that. That'll do it for the softball portion. We, we will obviously re- talk about that tomorrow as uh, well, I kind of have a game to talk about, and that'll give us a lot more fun to talk about. I want to remind you before we go into the basketball portion of the program on Friday, I'm going to be joined by Andy Phillips. Andy Phillips of Alabama baseball fame and New York Yankees fame, and obviously a prominent Tuscaloosa businessman. We appreciate him. He's going to be joining me on Friday to talk about Alabama's regional uh, re- regional round, Alabama baseball's regional round. Hosting regional baseball for the first time since 2006. Going to be great to hear from Andy Phillips to, to hear about the baseball season, hear about his career, his time at Alabama, and just kind of get his thoughts on college baseball. Be sure to join me on Friday for that. <clears throat> All right, one more topic. <clears throat> one. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was gross. $5 fine. One, one more topic here for, for, for the, the Joe Gaither Show on a Wednesday. And I hope you guys are having a wonderful Wednesday. I thank you all for jumping in and joining us at any point today. Look, basketball got some news. Basketball got some hard news on one side and some soft news on, a, on another side. Hard news. Start right there. Mr. Javon Quinterly. JQ, baby. The original McDonald's All-American for Nate Oates has decided and declared his intention to return to the capstone. Holy moly. Going to get a fifth year of JQ. Is that right? A fifth season? (coughs) Of JQ. His sixth year in college college basketball. We all know coming transferring from uh, transferring from Villanova ended up having a little bit of mess with the NCAA, causing him to sit out after uh, after transferring from Vill- Villanova. But JQ, the quintessential Nato's player, is back and good. Congrats! I mean, look. On one hand, the Alabama side of me, look, I'm thrilled. We get a veteran guard. The front court looks incredible at this. Uh, yeah, front court is, is guards. Back court, yeah. Front court looks incredible. Uh, no, sorry. Backcourt is the guards. Goodness gracious. Backcourt looks incredible coming back with Mark Sears and and Jaden Quinterly, uh, Javon Quinterly. Javon, you get an SEC uh, SEC Six Man of the Year back. You get an SEC Tournament MVP back. He's going to be a second year off of his ACL. He's bringing you back. He's bringing you great leadership. Amazing leadership. You saw that last year. Look, if you just said three years ago, oh, JQ is going to be a leader for this program for the next two years. And I said, oh, I don't know about that. He and Shackelford and, and, and J.D. Davidson ended up having some uh, not-so-great chemistry issues. And, but JQ, buying into NATO, it's believing in NATO. It's, and look, a lot of people, okay, you're not an NBA player. You're not going to be an NBA player. Who cares? With the, with the advent of NIL, the guys can can stay in college. Look, if I can get free education, I'm doing it. I am absolutely doing it because if I wish my my 12 year old kid, my 12 year old self, would hear me say this, but education is the key to success. Is the key to, to to lifelong success. Get educated, learn about some things. College educated or certified in some programs, whatever the case may be. Get educated in whatever you want to get after, and you will do far in life. JQ, as long as you have the chance for free, for free, for free education, take it, man. Go further your your education, and not only that, Alabama loves you. I love you, and I try to stay objective, but I love you. Last uh, This past year, man, in Coleman Coliseum, Auburn at home, SEC championship on the line. Who was it? It was JQ who rescues Alabama, who put the tide on his back and said, no, 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 Wendell Green, Bruce Pearl, you guys aren't celebrating in our building tonight. We're taking this season sweep, and we're taking the SEC regular season title. And it was beautiful. So you, you, you're telling me that I'm going to get JQ back? 
Why would I not want that? Why would I not want that? And, and so I think from an Alabama basketball standpoint, it is amazing, amazing news on the on the backcourt side of things. JQ and Mark Sears in back-to-back days have let their int- attention to detail, th- th- their intentions be known that they will be returning for Nate Oates' uh, Nate Oates's next season. Now, Michael Braun on the program yesterday said, no, Alabama basketball will not win the SEC this coming up year. Um, I refuse to accept that because I love the Tide and Think we can win every single year, but look, what what's the problem? We all see the huge hole, huge holes in the post now with Betiaco gone, Betiaco and uh, and Noah Clowney gone, uh, Noah Clowney gone as well into the NBA draft. So what ends up happening? The soft news for yesterday had the hard news with JQ uh, returning to uh, returning to school today. The soft news from yesterday, one Grant Nelson. One Grant Nelson from from North Dakota State uh, withdrew his name from the NBA draft and made his intentions known that he's going to be going into the transfer portal, returning to uh, college, college basketball for one more season. Grant Nelson was the uh, was the all summit was all summit league first team. He ended up averaging 19 points a game and nine rebounds a game last season, nearly 10 rebounds a game, uh, two two and a half assists, uh, almost two blocks, one steal in summit league play for North. Dakota State, and he's been reached out to by the who's who of college basketball, including Alabama. Six foot eleven, two hundred thirty-five pounds, uh, forward with some handles. Played uh, played for North, North Dakota State for the last three seasons, uh, and, and really uh, his highlights look great. Now. He's going to be highly coveted. Grant Nelson, it's, it's great. He, he's already apparently uh, put, put in to have a visit here at the Capstone, according to several of the recruiting experts. It sounds like he's coming down to Tuscaloosa very, very soon. So Grant Nelson is a name to be watching out for. Uh, if uh, you know, you, I still, you, I believe you still have three open roster spots on the on the roster, even with Javon Quinterly's return. I believe you still have at least three open scholarships for Nate Oates to fill, and still one one, one assistant coach who I still believe uh, is kind of been agreed on but just not quite been announced yet so you still have some room to add I think uh, I think Grant Nelson becomes maybe your top target problem is with Grant I mean you're gonna see the numbers you're gonna see 19 20 points a game you're gonna see 10 rebounds a game and your eyes are gonna pop out of your head but put on his film. I caution you. Just put on his film just a little bit spin to uh, put in, pop in Grant Nelson on YouTube and watch him does this film look great? Yes, of course. They're highlights. It's a highlight film. Every every shot he's making goes in. All the dunks that he's making go go in. He's making a lot of blocks. He's making a lot of steals. And it looks great on film. But what I notice is, oh my gosh, the high school gyms that he's playing in. The high school competition that he's playing in in the Summit League. That puts a little bit of uh, put, puts a little put a bit of pause on me uh, from, from, a, from a falling in love with Grant Nelson's standpoint. Do I want to fall in love with him if he comes to Alabama? Oh, yes, yes. Give me 6'11 all day. 6'11 who can shoot from the three-point line all day long. He ends up uh, right at the 25, 30%, uh, 25, 26% from, from three-point la- last year. Just enough, just enough to, to make uh, his counterpoint have to step out and defend him. But my, my man's got pretty good handles. The issue I see here is just not playing great competition last year. 
not playing great competition in the Summit League. He did end up playing at Arkansas, first game of the season. Ended up with 17 points, 17 points, and uh, six rebounds against the Razorbacks, the first game of the season last year. Uh, ended up playing Kansas as well at Kansas. Ended up having 11 points at Kansas, 11 points, and nine rebounds. So, not as good against the upper level competition, but still, but still good enough. And, and really, Alabama is not in a position. <laughs> Is not in a position to be begging right now for for for, for uh, backcourt help because the uh, the post position the, the post positions look very very thin. Now notes go secure our man Grant, Grant Nelson. Is if that's our guy, come on and go get him. He uh, he you know. All he can do is come in and work his tail off and improve his draft stock. I think Grant Nelson is a small microcosm of why the transfer portal is a good thing, is a beneficial thing. Grant Nelson probably got a lot of reviews from his NBA draft combine that, hey, man, you look good. We like your game, but not playing against a whole lot of studs out there. Maybe go back to college and, and you know show yourself against upper-level competition. Well, the transfer portal allows him to do that. The transfer portal that a lot of – Older, old school people think, oh, it's ruining the game. Now Grant Nelson gets to hit the portal, go to an Alabama, a Kansas, a Kentucky, a bigger school, and play against top-end competition and prove himself for the NBA scouts that, hey, we'll, we'll see if he really is uh, a big-time player or not. So, you know, I'm a proponent of the transfer portal. I'm a proponent of NIL. Uh, I'm a proponent of these players getting what they can, uh, especially if you, I mean, referring back to the, the original conversation about parody in college football and college basketball. The, these athletes are the labor, and they should be compensated. So uh, that's really where we're standing with our Crimson Tide news and notes for today. Uh, SEC Spring Meetings will conclude today. Uh, we'll watch, we will watch tomorrow the College college World Series as the ladies get started at 11 a.m. tomorrow. want to remind you, Friday we'll be having our regionals. Alabama Baseball will be hosting, we'll be hosting Boston College, we'll be hosting Troy, and we'll be hosting... One more. Oh, excuse me. Uh, hosting Boston College, Troy, and uh, and one more program as we're going to get underway. The first regional uh, here in Tuscaloosa since 2006. The one more, obviously, is Nickel State. Excuse me. Uh, so that's going to do it for our program today. I want to thank Bama, Bama Central for putting me on. Oh, my gosh, Chris Walsh. I am so thankful for you. I know you've been doing a lot of things for me behind the scenes. I appreciate you, Chris Walsh. Follow Chris Walsh at Writing Walsh on the Twitter machine. Follow myself at Joe Gaither 6 Send me all your comments, questions, queries, and complaints. You want to agree or disagree with anything that I said today or any day, you can do that right there on the social media machine. Follow all our friends at Bama Central uh, on the Twitter machine. Katie Windham and Edwin Stanton going to be out there at the World Series in Oklahoma City. Myself, Austin Hannon, Will Miller going to be over at the Joe this weekend as Alabama baseball takes on Nickel State, Boston College, and Troy in the regional. So that's going to do it. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 1 p.m. And I will keep it rolling right here on the Joe Gaither Show as a part of BamaCentral.com and the BamaCentral.com Broadcasting Network. We appreciate all you guys. I hope you all have a great day and roll tide, everybody.